Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Green Bay Packers have their throwback uniforms for the coming season. Can't use different helmets until next year. This year, the base yellow helmet with the awesome green and gold throwback from the 50s. The the Packers from time to time, I think, have swung and missed with alternate uniforms when they have the plum-colored helmet, when they've got the the blue jersey with the circle and the number. No, no, these are good. I like these because they don't look like throwbacks. They look like a modern configuration of something that they think will look good, and it does. Yeah, and, and no logo on the helmet. I like that, Mike. These are these are traditional throwback uniforms, and the Packers have swung and missed, as you've said, but these are good. These, these I think the players are really going to like these uniforms. Packers take on the New York Jets on Saturday. Don't expect to see any Aaron Rodgers. We Surely we'll see plenty of Zach Wilson as he tries to get ready for his first regular season. Let's do something that we used to do last year, PFTPM, during the season, a Friday feature. Then can't wait to see the things that are happening in the coming weekend. Preseason week two, can't wait to see. Shireen, you go first. What do you got? Well, Mike, when we came out of the first real week of the preseason, not counting the Hall of Fame game, what were we talking about rookie quarterbacks? We were talking about Justin Fields, and we were talking about Mac Jones, and we were talking about Trey Lance, we were talking about all those guys. One guy we didn't talk a lot about, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. I want to see more from Trevor Lawrence this week. We're going to definitely see more plays from him. He only got 15 snaps Last week, he wasn't bad. He was 6-9 for 71 yards and took a couple of sacks. I mean, he wasn't terrible. But I want to see more. I want to see some play that we're talking about. All right, this guy has it. I see it. Kind of like what we were talking about with Mac Jones after last night. And I didn't see that last week uh, from Trevor Lawrence. And I didn't come out talking about Uh, Trevor Lawrence the way we did some of these other guys so a little bit more from Trevor Lawrence this week and I'll be happy uh, with the number one overall pick and the the questions maybe right now we're facing could they have possibly traded down as we know that the Dolphins could have done last year and ended up with Justin Herbert are there going to be those questions this year could the Jaguars have traded down and gotten one of those other quarterbacks and ended up with more and a quarterback giving up Trevor Lawrence 
those questions and there, you don't want to ask if you're the Jaguars. There was never a hint, never a suggestion, never even an opportunity. There was never even, right. as far as I could see, a team interested in springing up to get Trevor Lawrence. It was just kind of a given from the moment the season ended. They hire Urban Meyer. Trevor's the guy. And going into his rookie season, he's the guy. And that's what's amazing to me. They're still trying to sell the idea, Shireen, that there's a quarterback competition <laughs> between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Just yesterday, Daryl Bevel said uh, it's status quo. How is it status quo? Now, look, Lawrence wasn't spectacular last week, but he clearly performed better in my assessment than Gardner Minshew in the preseason opener. And I, I think they're trying to get somebody, maybe the Cowboys, to trade for Gardner Minshew. And there are plenty of teams out there that should be interested in Gardner Minshew. 37 career touchdown passes, 11 interceptions in two seasons. He has been good. But at some point, you've got to stop with this phony quarterback competition and give the reins to Trevor Lawrence and get him ready. So that that is still just kind of weird to me. We'll see when it ends. Maybe it'll end after this game coming up on Monday night against the Saints. Now, in that same game, what I can't wait to see is a, an actual legitimate quarterback competition involving of all the quarterback competitions out there this year the two best candidates you've got guys there that you know if you would take Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston and drop them in Denver I think be the no question starter I mean these guys this isn't the if you have two quarterbacks you have none the Saints legitimately have two good quarterbacks to choose from and we'll see more on Monday night that will give us an inkling even though Sean Payton's not going to tell us until he has to, which of the two guys is going to be the starter come week one against the Green Bay Packers? Shereen, do you have a lean? Do you have a gut feeling as to who's going to win that competition between Hill and Winston? Well, going into the offseason program and the preseason, I thought it was going to be Jameis Winston. I tend to lean more toward Taysom Hill now. Jameis just scares me with the turnovers, the way he turns the ball over. I think he's obviously probably the better passer between the two. I'm not going to be surprised, Mike, though, if they don't play both of these quarterbacks this year. I could see that happening where they play them both and have a package for Jamison, have a package for Taysom, and we see both quarterbacks, perhaps in the same game, but that's not going to surprise me at all if both guys don't play this year. I, I said earlier this, this year, week. That's a double negative. I, I they, they know who we mean. I, I, uh, I said earlier this week that it actually hurts Hill that he's so versatile, and he almost has to win yes. the job in a landslide because you can make Jameis Winston the starter and – put Taysom Hill on the field too and have both of them out there. Whereas the idea of having Hill as the quarterback and Jameis Winston in this jack of all trades role, that's not going to work. So in my mind, that uh, that's a negative for Taysom. The fact that he can do all those other things is going to hurt him in the quarterback competition. What else can't you wait to see this weekend? Well, Mike, I'm interested to see how coaches are going to use this second preseason game because we only have three and we know they're using it in different ways. The Buccaneers, for instance, aren't playing most of their starters this week. Tom Brady's not going to play, but they are going to play in that final preseason game where the Cowboys are taking the different approach. They're going to play their starters other than Dak Prescott this week and not play their, most of their starters in that final preseason game. But one thing I'm interested in 
if the starters are going to play in this game. I want to see Kyler Murray in his preseason debut going against Patrick Mahomes, who got a few snaps last week, and I want to see those two guys go at it. It's going to give me a taste, and I'm going to want to see them stay in there, and of course they're not going to. I only wish this was a regular season game. Then I would be ultra hyped for seeing these two guys go against each other. But I hope we see enough. I hope we at least see a quarter of those two guys in this game because I think it'll be really, really fun. Yeah, it's a shame they're in different conferences. I'd like to see their paths cross more frequently. And we will see Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield uh, together this year uh, because of that extra game, that 17th game, brings the Browns and the Cardinals uh, together for what was an unexpected game. Expected that Trey Lance will be in the mix to be the starter in San Francisco. I can't wait to see how he does in his second game. What progression, what growth? Will we see another big throw? Will he do a better job of picking up the blitz against the L.A. Chargers? And will it become a situation where as we get closer and closer to week one, the 49ers are less and less sure about this plan to go forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. I still think Shireen, and what a throw this was, all the way across the field from his own 13 to the opposing 43, the catch and run for the 80-yard touchdown, only his second NFL throw. What a way to start your career. But we're getting closer and closer to the point where maybe if a trade opportunity doesn't emerge out of nowhere, and it typically would result because of an injury to a starting quarterback elsewhere, the 49ers approach Jimmy Garoppolo and say, we can't justify paying you $25 million. We'll pay you. 10 we'll pay you 15 we'll give you a reduced base salary and give you a chance to make all that money back if you end up starting 17 games or whatever the case may be but we just can't do it and it's so late in the process it's not like someone else is going to offer him more than what the 49ers offer and if he says no will he be out on his ear I, I if look and I understand it seems cold and it's heartless but this is the way it works this is the way they make the sausage you you put a dollar value on a player and $25 million is too high on Jimmy Garoppolo if Trey Lance is checking all the boxes and looking like he's accelerating his development. So my point is I want to see how much we see acceleration from Lance because it does, if he continues, put the 49ers in a spot where maybe they can put the squeeze on Garoppolo. When we talk about these first-round quarterbacks, the one thing you kind of separate the Patriots and the 49ers is from those other teams is they look like playoff teams, right? They, they should be playoff teams. For that, you need a veteran quarterback. If you're really talking about competing, I think the 49ers think they can get to the Super Bowl. You're not going to get to the Super Bowl, history says, with Trey Lance as your quarterback. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. I could definitely see them going to him and telling him, we need you to take a pay cut, no question about that. I'm going to be very surprised. Unless somebody offers them just outrageous compensation, I'm going to be very surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo is not the starting quarterback of this team in week one. And if they continue to win, he will continue to be the quarterback because they think they have a really good team. Beset by injuries last season, they have all those guys back healthy for this season. This is a team that can contend not only for that division title in a very tough division, but if they're able to win that division, they certainly have a chance to go on and compete for a Super Bowl. So I think Jimmy's going to be their quarterback. You start again, start looking at bye weeks. They have an early bye week six. If they're struggling at all come week six, Trey Lance is going to be the guy.
I just can't help but think that they are truly fed up with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's easy to point to the injuries, but I think it goes deeper than that. At one point earlier in camp, Kyle Shanahan made the observation that Jimmy's having a really strong camp, and it wasn't that way last year. I just think they had reached their wits end with Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't make that move from 12 to three where you ultimately give up three first round picks and a third round pick for a successor to Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're perfectly content to let him go forward as the guy, because if it does work out like it did in 2019, and I, and I know that it's easy to say it's a good problem to have. It's not a good problem to have when you've invested that much in the future and you're still stuck in the past. And, and I really do feel like they are hoping for an exit ramp from Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're hoping that it will reveal itself. And if it doesn't, then that's when you activate the, hey, Jimmy, we can't justify paying you $25 million plan. So I I just, going all in with Jimmy Garoppolo makes no sense to me. I can't reconcile it with everything they gave up to get Trey Lance, Shereen. Yeah, well, you look at, you know, Jordan Love, sort of the same situation in Green Bay, and I realize that Aaron Rodgers is a much more accomplished quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo was, but this is a guy who started his Super Bowl game, and if not for that fourth quarter, they 49ers would have won that game and should have won that game, and you can't erase that because he was really, really bad in the fourth quarter of that game, and maybe that's when they realized they needed an upgrade at that position, and then he comes out and gets hurt again, and he just can't stay healthy. But uh, they obviously have drafted Trey Lance not to sit on the bench for all that long. I mean, he's going to be the starting quarterback at some point. The question is when, not if. And I tend to think it's going to be later than sooner just because I think this is a really good team. Otherwise, I think Trey Lance would start in week one. He has looked good enough so far in the preseason, small sample size, that you could say – this guy gets the ball down the field. He does all the things we want in our offense. But if you let this Garoppolo thing play out and the presence of Lance in some way serves as what Sims would call the red-hot poker on the rear end of Jimmy Garoppolo and he reaches a level of ability we haven't seen, an ability to stay healthy that we haven't seen, and he indefinitely postpones the launch of the Trey Lance era – that's where it just gets weird. And I don't want to compare it to Jordan Love behind Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy Garoppolo behind Tom Brady, but we know that using a second-round pick on Garoppolo in 2014 lit a fire under Brady's rear end. They hadn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. They won three, and I think a part of that was that drafting Garoppolo was a catalyst for Brady to take it to a higher level. I just I think that – and, and they, they can talk all around it all they want, but – if we get to a point a few years from now where Jimmy Garoppolo is transformed in some sort of superhero quarterback and it's all because they gave up all that stuff to get Trey Lance and Lance can't get on the field, I think that's a far from ideal solution. And I only say that because that's the path they're going to put themselves on if the attitude is we're going with Jimmy this year. So I, I, because they have such a great team. That's what concerns me about it. You could have an artificially strong view of Jimmy Garoppolo because he just happens to be the captain of a ship that is sailing through blue waters. I'll give you a different comparison. Can you compare it to Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith? We all knew, knew Patrick Mahomes was going to take over for Alex Smith. And you've made the point you think they would have won a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes if they had gotten him in the game uh, before week 17 and if he had played in the postseason – but can you compare it to that situation with the Chiefs? Well, 
if Alex Smith and the Chiefs had gone to the Super Bowl in 2017 and potentially won it, what do you do in 2018? That's what the 49ers are flirting with here. And again, it's a good problem to have because you get another trophy. You get to number six. You match the Patriots. But you still have to go and play football seasons in the future. And there's an outcome to this Jimmy Garoppolo experiment moving forward that ties the 49ers' hands into 2022. It didn't happen to the Chiefs, and we didn't expect it to happen to the Chiefs. We didn't look at the Chiefs in 2017 as a Super Bowl team. We didn't. We look at the 49ers as a potential Super Bowl team, if they can stay healthy. And so that's where I just I feel like for everything they gave up to get Lance, for everything they have on that team, for the expectations that I think we reasonably possess for that franchise – it just feels like there's some risk there, a weird kind of risk, an unusual kind of risk that they're going to trip into such a good season that Trey Lance will have gone two years without playing much football because he only played one game last year for North Dakota State. All right, what else are you looking forward to seeing this weekend? Well, Mike, I want to see if the Ravens can tie the NFL record for consecutive preseason victories. I know it's not a huge thing, but it still says something to how good they have been, not only in the preseason, but the regular season. They know how to win. This is just a team that knows how to win, right? They've won 18 in a row. Their last loss was in August of 2015. The last team to do that, to win 19 in a row, if they can do that this week, the 1959-62 Packers. This is just a team that knows how to win consistently year after year after year. They do it in the preseason. They do it in the regular season. Yes, they haven't won a Super Bowl in a while, but they're always there. They always contend, and I think you're going to see that again uh, with the Ravens this year in the regular season. And, oh, by the way, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites in Vegas to win this week, and if you're betting on the preseason, you probably have a gambling problem. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, Sims and I talked about this yesterday, Shereen, and, and my theory is a very simple one. John Harbaugh is so ridiculously competitive, he obsesses over winning preseason games. He Even when it's meaningless, it's meaningful to him. A lot of those games were close. So, And, and look, it, it's also good practice. You get yourself in a close game, you learn how to win close games. And there is a re- reason why the Ravens have been one of the elite franchises for years now and a reason why Harbaugh has been the coach for as long as he has all the way back to 2008. This this is a great organization, top to bottom. They have a great culture, and they will try to win the games that don't matter, including the games that do matter. There's a game that won't matter in Minnesota on Saturday night with the Colts coming to town. But we expect to see Kirk Cousins. I can't wait to see just the reaction because he's been, of all the quarterbacks, the most vocal about the vaccination issue, front and center, talked about things he's going to do to avoid getting COVID other than, you know, getting vaccinated. And it was a flashpoint. It's it's been an issue of concern among Vikings fans, and he's going to walk out onto the field. How's he going to be received? Is it going to be smattering of cheers and boos? Is he going to be booed? I, I really am curious to see how the folks in Minnesota, he was at the game last week, but he wasn't in uniform. He's on the sideline. It's not the same. When he goes out there onto the field, 
How will he be received? And what's the dynamic going to be between him and the coaching staff? I'm going to be looking for anything from Mike Zimmer. Any, you know, and, and Mike, it's not like you have to look for facial expressions or anything from Mike Zimmer. How's Mike Zimmer going to assess Kirk Cousins' performance in that game? Let's hear what he says because he was very candid about the team's performance last week. But you know, this became an awkward thing a couple of weeks ago, and it makes sense to just kind of take the temperature of where all the relationships are as we get closer to the start of the season because surely – Zimmer and others are still dismayed that Cousins has put himself in a position where any given day he's going to get knocked out for either five days minimum if he's a close contact with someone who's positive for COVID or 10 days minimum if he tests positive. Well, and you just look at the quarterback behind him that they drafted, Kellamon, test positive for COVID, right? Unvaccinated as well. And he only practiced, what, two times up to that preseason game last week. If this was a regular season and Kirk Cousins test positive, we saw it last year. We saw it with Cam Newton. We saw it with other quarterbacks when they didn't have the vaccine. So, yeah, there, he's taking a huge risk here that he could be knocked out of a regular season game or two or three or however long it might be and not be able to play for the Vikings. And it set back Kellamond because he didn't get all that practice time. We know once the regular season starts – those backup quarterbacks just don't get those reps. He needed those reps. He needed more preseason time, and he didn't get that because he was out with COVID. And that's the thing to remember, right, wrong, or otherwise. If you're not vaccinated, you get tested for COVID every single day. They've got the Mason machine. It's a PCR test, highly reliable. You have to get a negative before they even let you in the building every day if you're unvaccinated. If you're vaccinated... The rule still is, and at one point I think Shefty suggested they were going to go to once per week. That never happened. They're still at once every 14 days for a COVID test if you're vaccinated. Justin Pugh, who tested positive despite being vaccinated, echoed a concern that the NFLPA articulated recently that maybe there should be daily testing for vaccinated players. And who knows? It can all change at any given time. But until it does, if you're a starting quarterback and you're vaccinated, there's no chance you're going to test positive the day of the game or the day before the game or have some late 11th hour scratch because of a positive test because you're not going to be tested. If you are a starting quarterback and you're not vaccinated, it's every day. Every day that chance is there, that risk is there. And if you've got vaccinated players who aren't getting tested more than once every two weeks who are carrying the virus, you may catch it from them and you test positive on Sunday and you're down for a minimum of 10 days. That's why it's a thing. That's why it's an issue. And until it changes to daily testing for vaccinated players, there's a huge advantage to being vaccinated for that reason. You're not going to have that sudden and abrupt, oh, we don't have a starting quarterback today. Oh, well, let's go see if we can win the game with a guy who's a backup for a reason. All right, give me something else that you can't wait to see this weekend. Well, I want to see the Colts quarterbacks because the Colts never expected to be in this situation, right? And now they have Carson Wentz there on the sideline, and they may have to start one of these young quarterbacks for at least a season opener, maybe longer than that, Mike. And I just thought Jacob Beeson looked terrific, 15 to 21, 183 yards last week. He has separated himself from Sam Ellinger. No surprise there. I mean, this is his second year in the offense where Sam Ellinger just got there. But the Colts just weren't supposed to be in this situation. And wouldn't it be something, Mike, if Carson Wentz got Wally pipped by Jacob Beeson and 
Don't rule that out. We've seen it before. We saw it with Justin Herbert last year with Tyrod Taylor. We've seen it before. And wouldn't that be something if Jacob Beeson comes in and just lights this thing up? And what are you going to do if he's playing so well at that? Say he goes 2 3 4 0. Before Carson Wentz gets back, are you going to pull him out of the lineup if he's playing that great? We saw it with Dak Prescott when Tony Romo came back. Now, Tony Romo came back late in the season, but you couldn't pull Dak Prescott out of the lineup at that point. So the Colts may be faced with a tough decision if this guy gets off to a great start during the season about what are they going to do with Carson Wentz. Here's what confuses me, though, about the Colts quarterback situation with Carson Wentz recovering from foot surgery. The moment it happened, the word was unequivocally, unconditionally, Jacob Eason's the guy. We believe in Jacob Eason. We think he can get it done. And then not long after that, oh, wait, Sam Ellinger is getting first-team reps. Sam Ellinger has forced his way into the conversation. Well, that's also an indictment of Eason because if Eason is doing what you think Eason is going to do and what you expect him to do, there's not going to be an opening for the sixth-round rookie from Texas to force his way into the conversation and from the Colts perspective now where my concern is if I'm a Colts fan I'm looking at this saying at some point we got to pick a horse if Carson Wentz isn't going to be back and ready to go week one we got to say it's Eason or Ellinger and we got to get that guy ready we can't split the first team reps get the guy ready for week one against the Seahawks we've talked all week long about the schedule for the Colts holy crap the first five or six games you, yeah, if you don't have Carson Wentz, you got a problem. And and maybe that's really the bottom line. If you don't have Carson Wentz, you got a big problem. Week one through five, Seahawks, Rams at Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens. Good luck with that. Even with Carson Wentz, good luck with that. But uh, at some point, Shireen, the urgency sets in to get someone ready to go week one, whether it's Wentz, Eason, or Ellinger. And I hope that they emerge from the game on Saturday night knowing which of those two guys is going to be the focal point until they know that Wentz can come back. Yeah, and Ellinger was sick earlier this week, so he had a setback, didn't look good at practice, and I think they've started to see that separation. But you're right, they've got to pick the horse. He's got to get the reps. Whatever guy you're starting has got to get a ton of reps in this game, has got to get a ton of reps in the next game, because these are guys who haven't played in the regular season. They need as many game reps as they can get. You've got two weeks to do that. Pick your guy. Let him play and let's go. And hey, if he can win those, if it's Jacob Beeson and he can win those games to start the season, they're going to have a nice problem to have when Carson Wentz comes back. Only three weeks from today, we will be during this two hour block talking about what happened week one opening night Cowboys at Buccaneers. And one of the things we'll be talking about is who played quarterback. Will it be Dak Prescott week one? We'll get you up to speed on what's happening with the Dallas Cowboys as they prepare for a tough assignment to start the regular season. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, Dak's status is, uh, I would guess, continue to classify it as, as limited. We'll just continue the, the throwing regiment and keep building up the volume. So, so at this point, with this being the last padded practice, is it fair to say he won't play? Oh, there's a good chance he probably won't play. That's fair. Mike McCarthy saying good chance Dak Prescott doesn't play Saturday in preseason game three for the Cowboys. Preseason week two. That's one of the things you have to keep straight when a team plays in the Hall of Fame game. I, I don't expect to see Dak Prescott at all in the preseason, Shireen. But this shoulder thing, this lat muscle injury, this thing that has required them to consult with baseball trainers, not football trainers, that's how unusual the injury is. I, I know he's able to throw some. But, and I know he's going to be very, very anxious to play week one of the regular season. Gil Brandt tweeted yesterday that he was at practice on Wednesday and Prescott believes he'll be ready to play against the Buccaneers. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. If you saw him in the first episode of Hard Knocks, he is very anxious to get back on the field and prove himself and reestablish himself. But this is just a weird, strange injury. And who knows at this point? when we're going to see him back on the field and who knows if he's not going to just strain it again. That's the thing. We, this is such an unknown for the Cowboys and for anybody who's followed quarterback play to have this kind of weird lower shoulder lat muscle injury. You may think you're fine. You go out there and throw a few passes and all of a sudden you're not fine all over again. Yeah, Mike, I'm going to the game Saturday. I'm sitting here as we're going through this, as you're talking, going, why am I going to this game on Saturday? Remind me again, because Dak Prescott is not going to play. And I do think the Cowboys have to have some concern about this. As you said, how do you know it's not going to act up again? And how do you get ready when you're not throwing that high volume of passes? And they've got to build back up to that. Look, you're, you're facing the defending Super Bowl champions and you're facing them on a Thursday night and your quarterback hasn't played since week five. That was October 11th of last year and he's going to get no preseason work. And, you know, so I think this team faces a huge uphill battle for that first game to have Dak Prescott ready to go if he's able to play and have this team ready, this offense ready to ready to play. I just don't know that that's going to happen that quickly for the Cowboys against the Buccaneers. That's a bad draw for them to start out with Dak having this shoulder problem and coming off the ankle injury. And frankly, there's a mental hurdle. I don't care what they say. There's also a mental hurdle of taking off and running again like you did when you hurt that ankle. That was your last play on the field was that run, that compound fracture and dislocated ankle You've got that mental hurdle of getting over that. Practice isn't a game. It's not the same thing. Well, and Sims thinks that the mental hurdle, just from the presence of the ankle, contributed to the shoulder injury because Sims sees a different throwing motion. It may be he's digging deeper so he doesn't have to put as much pressure on his back foot. He's doing more with his arm than with his base, and that that may have contributed to the injury that he's dealing with. Sims and I talked yesterday, too, about this weird 
difference between last year and this year. Last year, they have Andy Dalton ready to go if Dak can't go. This year, it's Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, Cooper Rush, at least for now. And if you do bring in a veteran now, you're getting him up to speed quickly. Why do you think they don't have someone with playing experience, real playing experience, behind Dak Prescott? My guess is they didn't want to spend the money, Mike. And when you look at it, they went 6-10 and 10 last season when they had Andy Dalton. And I know he missed one game with COVID. He missed one game with that concussion after the Washington game on the illegal hit. I realize he missed a couple games, and you started four quarterbacks last year. But Andy Dalton wasn't good. And he's supposed to be the veteran quarterback who, who's going to lead you and help you in case Dak gets hurt. You think you have a good team, and you have to have that veteran quarterback behind him. So – I think maybe they threw up their hands and said, all right, well, we're not going to win anyway. We're, we're, we're pretty much lost if Dak Prescott gets hurt again. Surely he's not going to get hurt two years in a row. This is a guy who's been on the field for every single uh, game except last year when he got hurt. So he is on the field all the time. He's always available except when he had the, the freak injury last except year. When he isn't. So I think they – Except when he ends it. So I think they believe that Dak's going to play and he's going to play every single game. And if he if he's not there, they're in trouble anyway. So what difference does it make to go spend big money on a backup quarterback? I agree with the idea that you only have so many dollars you can devote to your quarterback position. And when you're paying your starting quarterback $40 million per year on a four-year deal that you're going to have to renegotiate after three years and kick it to maybe 47 or $48 million per year. Yeah, you don't want to burn cap dollars on his backup. With that said, and to harken back to the quarterback competition in Jacksonville, to the extent that the Jaguars are hoping to trade Gardner Minshew, Shereen, his salary for this year is $850,000. So he is definitely an affordable option if the Cowboys want to go that route. But even if you trade for him today, how do you get him up to speed? Now, I'd still go. I'd say – I'd say trade for him the Sunday before the Thursday night game, and you're better off with him than Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, or or uh, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Rush Cooper. Rush. So many of these backup quarterbacks, you can flip their last name and their first name around either. That's here and there. Minshew Gardner would be <laughs> would be a better option than any of those guys. And uh, I, I I just I feel like at some point the light bulb's got to go off for the organization that we can't go forward with Garrett Gilbert as our quarterback. Um, and I guess you are generally screwed if you don't have your starting quarterback when it's a great starting quarterback. But still, to be completely unprepared with someone uh, that's out there like a Minshew, it, it just, it's, it's confusing to me. All right, something else that's confusing to me is why that offensive line isn't as good as it was a few years ago. They're getting older. They're getting banged up. One key, Shireen, a guy who feels like he's been around forever, but he's still fairly young as tackles go, Tyron Smith. Where do you think he is and where does he need to be for this team to be what it wants to be? Yeah, he turned 30 years old in, in December, Mike, and he started playing. He was 20 years old as a rookie, so it does seem like he has been around forever, and he has. He's young in age, but he is old in experience, and he is old in wear and tear, and we've seen the type of injuries that he's had to his neck, to his back. Those things don't get better over the years, right? And they've nursed him through this training camp and all those sorts of things, but when and he's been on the field by all accounts he has not been a great player and I don't know if he'll ever get back to that great level 
you know, right now, if, if, if he retired, I think he'd be close to being a Hall of Famer. I think there'd be a conversation. I don't think he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think that he would be in that conversation. He'd be on the finals list. You would talk about him as a Hall of Famer, but I don't know that he can get back to that level, and I think that's a really bad thing for the Dallas Cowboys. They need him in the lineup. He's better than anything else they have, especially with Dak Prescott now nursing his shoulder injury and coming off an ankle injury. They've got to have him in the lineup, and I just don't know if he can play 17 games, and the options behind him, as we know, have not been good in the past. They did upgrade that a little bit this year with Ty Nischke. He's come in, and he's played some games, started some games at Washington. So he's better than what they've had. But if you don't have Tyron Smith and you don't have Tyron Smith playing at a good level, you're in trouble. You know, it occurred to me while you were saying that how Tyron Smith can get to the Hall of Fame. You want to know how he can get there? How? Commit a major penalty that goes uncalled in a playoff game at Minnesota. A, a blatant foul a blatant hold that allows the quarterback <laughs> to throw the ball for a touchdown to win the game. That's how Tyron Smith gets over the top and gets into the Hall of Fame eventually. That's the one extra ingredient for certain Cowboys to make it. All right. Uh, why? Oh, See, go. I knew that if I talked about it enough, the control room would have enough time to hit the button. And there it is, the blatant offensive pass interference. They're doing an entire football life episode on that play. I hope there's equal time for Nate Wright. In that production, NFL Films, we must hear from Nate Wright. I also want to know why the hell Paul Krause didn't get over there faster. He can't claim the official got in his way. But come on, man. You got, you got, to, have, you got to have somebody deep and over the top when the game's on the line. All right, thank you very much for that. Micah Parsons, who instantly has looked the part. We talked about Mac Jones looking the part for the Patriots. Micah Parsons, it's like he's been there for years, Shireen. This guy's special, and this guy's going to go a long way to fixing the defense. Yeah, and if you're voting on Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'd put some money on him because he has looked the part, Mike. He can play sideline to sideline. He can blitz a quarterback. He can do all the things that they haven't had in linebacker, perhaps since Rolando McClain. Now, Rolando McClain had one really good year with the Cowboys, and he was that type of guy, but they haven't had that linebacker play in a long time, and this guy brings it. Despite the first-round pick they spent on Leighton Vander Esch and the second-rounder on Jalen Smith, this guy is who you want there at linebacker. He's the guy who's going to make all the plays, and he does look the part so far, Mike. Yeah, I, I, and look, I don't know if it's enough to make that defense better, but you know what? The defense was so bad last year. It doesn't take much to make the defense better, and Micah Parsons instantly does. Let's take a break. When we return, Shereen mentioned this earlier. We're going to do a draft, and this is this is a, a high-wire act because we're going to end up on at Old Takes Exposed potentially. We're going to draft the teams that we believe have no chance of getting to the playoffs in 2021, which guarantees that half of these teams we're about to pick will. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Race in Sports in America, The Conversations, Episode 2, now streaming on Peacock, and it airs Sunday at 2 p.m. on NBC. Steph Curry, Vince Carter, Brian Kelly, Kyle Rudolph, and more. So check that out now on Peacock, 2 p.m. Eastern Sunday on NBC. Today's draft, and this one makes me very nervous, picking ultimately between the two of us six teams out of 32 that have no chance, not just may not or possibly won't, but no chance. We are calling our shot no chance to make the playoffs. Shireen, for the all-important first pick in the draft, 
Here's the trivia question. Jerry Jones infamously sprinkled salt on his McGriddle in the first episode of Hard Knocks. Can you name the four key ingredients in the McGriddle? Uh, Egg. How many ingredients? Four. Four key ingredients. Egg. Sausage. Pancake. Cheese. And I think we, can we give her that because I think they make a sausage McGriddle. I think we can give her that. I think bacon. that wins. Is it bacon? She said cheese. She said cheese. She said cheese. It's bacon technically, but also sausage because they do make the sausage McGriddle. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the McGriddle. I, I'll have my pancakes on one plate and my bacon, my eggs, and my cheese yeah. on another plate. Thank you very much. But Jerry apparently likes his McGriddle with a little salt. All right, you get the first pick. All right, well, it's going to be obvious, right? The Houston Texans, I think they have no chance to to make the playoffs. It's a total rebuild. They brought in 53 veterans, Mike. I think they're going to be better than people think. I don't think this is a zero-win, one-win, two-win team because 30 of those guys they brought in have five years of experience or more. A lot of them are on one-year contracts. You look at guys like Philip Lindsay and Malik Collins. These are guys who are going to be hungry to get that next contract. They're going to play hard for David Culley. Tyrod Taylor's a veteran quarterback. So they're, you better be ready to play this Houston, Texas team because you're not just going to walk in there and walk out with a win. You've got to be ready to play. But they've got zero chance to make the postseason, and I, I – think we both agree on that one and and look the, the 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 Texans pick was the one that was clearly hinging on the trivia question because I think if we had to pick one yes. team that definitely won't make it to the playoffs it's the Texans my first pick is a team that I think is better than some of the teams in the NFC but the NFC doesn't have that cluster of contenders I think there are nine teams that are seriously vying for seven playoff berths in the AFC New York Jets Clearly not one of them. And I think somebody made a big bet on the Jets to get to the Super Bowl or something. I mean, okay, fine, if you want to burn your money. Yeah. The Jets, even though I like what they're doing, they got the right coach in Robert Sala. I think Zach Wilson's going to be really good. I think they have no chance to make the playoffs because of the conference that they're in. And look at the division they're in. They're, they're, they're the worst team because they've got three pretty damn good teams they're competing with. Yeah, and I had the Jets second on my list, Mike. Just you look what they did last year in the starting over, the rebuild. Now they've lost Carl Lawson. They have a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. This team has no chance to make the playoffs. All right, round two. Who else do you have? Now it starts to get a little it starts to get a little dicey now. It does. It does. I'm gonna go with the Lions. And this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in so long. It's kind of easy to pick them, right? And now they have Jared Goff uh, at quarterback. Uh, Matt Patricia went 13, 29, and one. They have 33 losses over the last three seasons. Everyone in Detroit seems to like what Dame Campbell does, and they seem to be showing patience with this team, but Is Jared Goff your franchise quarterback? I mean, to me, you've got to figure that out this year and start the rebuild toward the future. And if he's not the guy, you're sort of starting over again next year because you're going to be up there high in the draft picks again and able to pick a quarterback, which you should have done over the last couple of years and and didn't do that. But I don't think the Lions have a chance. Talk about the NFC being competitive, most of those teams having a chance. I'd say the Lions are one team in the NFC that has no chance. 
Yeah, see, I'm going to swing back to the AFC because I feel so strongly about Bills, Patriots, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Colts, Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, those nine teams that are going to be playing musical chairs for seven seats. The Jaguars have no chance. And I like what Urban Meyer's doing. I like what Urban Meyer's doing. I like that he had the I can't keep Tim Tebow around epiphany. I like his approach. It's just not this year. There's too much that needs to be done by way of heavy lifting to rebuild a roster that became decimated after they nearly got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. That division, not as tough as the others. The conference is. You're not going to win the division. You're not going to get yourself a wild card berth. Not this year. Maybe next year. Not this year, Shereen. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. That would have been my next pick. And now I'm kind of torn because now we start getting in a little of the dicey area where it could be old takes exposed. Do one of these teams have a chance? And I'm really torn between Carolina and Cincinnati, and I think they've both got a real small outside chance. But I'm going to go with Carolina simply because Sam Darnold hasn't yet proved that he can get it done. And uh, he has, does get a fresh start in Carolina with the offensive coordinator, who I think is really good, but they've got to find a quarterback of the future. And if it's not Sam Darnold, again, they're going to be looking in the draft next year to, to find that guy. But this just really, to me, doesn't look like a playoff team, especially considering both of these teams I mentioned, Cincinnati and Carolina, the divisions that they're in. I don't see Carolina competing in that division to win the division, and then you're talking about a wild card, and there's just way too many teams in there that have a chance, a better chance than Carolina does in easier divisions. I'm surprised. I'm surprised because I think there's a buzz out there that the Panthers could be halfway decent. I think they overachieved last year without very much from Christian McCaffrey. Darnold will be better than what they had in Teddy Bridgewater. The defense is developing. Matt Rule, a lot of people believe in him that he can get it done. So I, I, in my mind, between the Panthers and the Bengals, it's a no-brainer because the Bengals are caught in a division with the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens. The Bengals are going to be in fourth place. The only way they're getting to the playoffs is if all four teams from the AFC North qualify with the three wild cards all from the same division. That's not going to happen either for the reasons I previously discussed. So the Bengals, to me, I went all AFC just because, yeah, these teams aren't very good, but because there are so many great teams in that conference. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. Great meaningless moments in NFL history. Today's edition 2016 preseason Vikings at Bengals. That's how the regular season starts this year. Alec Erickson getting the ball inside his 20 and he weaves and he moves and you got to tackle. You got to tackle the guy. That's not Mike Vick 2002 for crying out loud. And there goes Eric Alex running in slow motion. And still he takes it to the house. Touchdown for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike Zimmer. Not happy. Then again, Mike Zimmer, never happy. He won't be happy this never year when happy. he throws the red challenge flag because, Shereen, one of the most overlooked developments in recent weeks in the NFL, Al Riveron out as the guy in charge of replay review at the league office, and there isn't one person who's going to be solely responsible. It's going to be decentralized, but still in the league office, but there's going to be a bunch of different people. I don't know that that's the way they envisioned it when they set it up a few years ago. Yeah, no, Mike, this is, it sounds like disaster waiting to happen. We'll see how it plays out. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you back here bright and early on Monday morning. Have a great day.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.